and Super Awesome Hockey Podcast, talking about sports on the internet. Cat and Mike's Super Awesome Hockey Podcast, it's already awesome and it hasn't even started yet. We've got the hottest takes and the plays that you'll never forget. And when the owners make mistakes, we'll call them on their shit. Cat and Mike's Super Awesome Hockey Podcast. Cat Mike Super Awesome Hockey Podcast. Goodness gracious, oh my god, cast. So we're back. It's been over a year. Catherine pooped out a baby. I got a new job. That's really about it. But how's it going? It's good. How's it going up there with you? I have a two liter bottle of strawberry soda right now. That sounds delicious. So I I feel pretty good about life. Um, (laughs) So you've also got the baby in the room. Yes. And she's, I think she's asleep right now. She looks like she's out. Uh, she just ate, so she's kind of milk drunk right now. Um, oh, yeah, she's out cold. <laughs> per- perfect. So hopefully we probably won't get a cameo from her on the first episode of, I guess, like this season. But I'm sure by like episode two or three, she'll make an appearance. Oh, yeah. She'll, she'll drop a few takes of her own. Excellent. So uh, Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Let's figure out kind of where they are right now. So. Uh, I guess we're doing, since we're doing a quick episode here to kind of get back into the swing of things, uh, like what's been the big, what's been the big breakout story for the Coyotes so far in this early season? And, uh, what have you liked? Uh, I, I think honestly the big breakout story has been the Dylan Strom, Christian Dvorak dynamic. Uh, Christian Dvorak is head and heads and shoulders, the better player right now. Uh, Dylan Strom does not want to go back to juniors. The team doesn't want him back there. They don't think he's going to develop enough. So they have him kind of just sitting in the press box. Um, so they sent Dvorak down a couple days ago just to make room for Strom in the lineup because he hasn't earned his way into the lineup. And that sort of takes Dvorak off. But now Martin Hansel is hurt with his annual mysterious lower body injury. So Dvorak's back, and now we get to see both of them at the same time, which means we're probably going to lose tonight. But that's okay because it's fun watching the young guys. Wasn't like Dvorak playing pretty all right for the few games he got a, a taste of? He he'd only sat one game before they sent him down, so I think he's drawn into all but two because he missed the one on Tuesday because he was down in Tucson. Um, but he's he's been playing really well. He he looks good with every line mate he's had so far. So. That's good. I like him. I think he's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big... Ever since uh, you kind of just explained like what was down the pipeline like two years ago, I, I got on the uh, Dvorak you know, hype train pretty much right away because I kind of... I like what he does and I like his game, so... Are you on the Jacob Chikrin uh, hype train now, though? Have you seen him play at all? Uh, I think I've caught two Coyotes games this year. It's really bad. Normally I've watched norm like last season I watched pretty much every game, but I think I've caught two games and he looked he looks really great. 
I can't believe that they got him. So good. (laughs) So, like, with that, is he playing alongside OEL, or is he getting kind of softer minutes to ease into it? He's actually, uh, they, he's, he's a left shot too, so they haven't been pairing him with OEL. They tried doing OEL Goligoski, uh, Chikrin down the right side, or down the left side, and the right shots were all so weak that none of them really worked on the top pairing. So Goligoski is now paired with OEL, and Chikrin's kind of carrying Connor Murphy. So he's on the second pairing, and he's, he's getting pretty decent minutes. Uh, he's he's dealing with Connor Murphy, so... Every every second shift that Connor Murphy falls down randomly. Yeah, and Chikrin's the one who now has to pick him back up and keep the puck moving, so... He's doing really well with it, though, like, the fact that nobody's really noticed that he's now he, he's not the veteran on the line. He's the rookie on the line, but he's acting like the veteran on the line, which is, I mean, you know, I think it's funny. Um, I think other people are kind of getting a kick out of it too. Uh, so. it, like at this point, do you think that the results that Chikrin or he's, that he's putting up at this point are going to be like a, I guess a prolonged experience or are we going to see it maybe drop off in the next little bit? Um, we might not see him scoring all throughout the year, but in terms of his performance, I think we're going to see him staying because usually, you know, that first game players, either they have nerves, they play really poorly or they play really well. And then they taper off in their next few games, but he's just been solid in every game so far. So I think he's just like, he just fit in seamlessly and he's ready to go. He's probably, would you feel confident in saying that if he continues it he could be uh like a calder like a potential calder nominee or do you think that the like the class of forwards and even zach Wierenski in uh, columbus might be quite ahead of him he might all he might almost be like a uh, colton pareko last year really really good but not like how shane ghost fair was just scoring right and left so he ended up as one of those defensemen who made it into the calder consideration whereas pareko didn't score like 60 points in the year. So he got kind of overlooked. I think it's going to be the same thing with Chikrin. He's going to be ridiculously good and everyone who watches him will know. But people who just look at the rookie scoring are going to be like, oh, he didn't come in second in scoring. So he's not Calder worthy. So he might finish, I don't know, like seventh or eighth in rookie consideration, kind of where Max Domi was last year. Sweet. I can live with. I can't. And he came with the corpse of a contract that was Pavel Datsuk, right? Like, yep. how can... John Shake is a god. <laughs> um, somebody was actually texting me a few days ago, and they were asking us if we wanted to pick up Matt Reed. They were like, do you want a veteran overproducing forward for your team? And then they said, wait, how do you not have cap space? I was like, Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> and then David Boland and... Uh, well, David Boland's not counting against the cap because he's on LTIR. Oh, right. But. So he's not counting against the cap right now. Uh, Pronger's not counting against the cap right now. They just got them before the season started, you know, up to right up against the ceiling. But, um, yeah, they have, like, enough room to maybe add, like, a depth forward at most. They have no cap space right now. But they're only spending, like, $30,000. It's a little ridiculous. <laughs> Completely exploiting the loophole of the... The, the oh, actual yeah. salary cap, it's great. Oh, yeah. So with that, um, you were kind of looking into Louis Domingue the other day, right? And mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on with him and how he's progressing. So what's the deal with him? Um, 
You know, I think he, uh, a lot of people, because he started off the season, first game he had a sub 800 save percentage. That's not great. Um, he still hasn't made it back up to a 900 save percentage just because his first two games were such a disaster. But he came in behind a super young team that was super scattered looking. I mean, Strom was having trouble. Uh, Luke Shen was getting like top four minutes, which should never happen. Um, Jamie McBain was in the lineup. And now that he's got his feet under him, I think he's going to do fine. I mean, he looked really good against the Sharks on Tuesday night. I think, yeah, it was Tuesday night. And if he can look good against the Sharks, in theory, he can look good against any team because they looked so good. Yeah, they looked fantastic. Yeah, there was like I, I think that I, I caught half of the game when I was recording video for you, like, and I was going through on like one monitor, ripping the video, and then the other monitor I actually had like the live feed going to kind of see what was going on. And the Coyotes were kind of keeping pace there. I don't know what like the the shot metrics were like. I'm presumably in favor of San Jose given the score. The game ended forty. 40- Six to thirty, I think, something like that. Shots, maybe forty to thirty-two, something like that. One of the teams got over forty shots. It might have been no, you know what? It was forty-one shots, like forty-one to thirty. Yeah. So Deming had to make thirty-nine stops. And on top of it, like they were playing pretty much with score effects for half of the game. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> not not the most ideal situation for a young Coyotes team. But they, I mean, they held on. They were playing against. Uh, it was really funny. I don't know if you caught it during the game. Lawson Krause seemed to be making it his personal mission to deke Brent Burns at some point during the game. Like, every chance he got, he was up against Brent Burns, and it was a one-on-one. And Brent Burns just made him look silly. And I've, I've liked Krause. I actually think he looks really good this year. But uh, for some reason, every time I looked up when Krause was on the ice, he was right up with Brent Burns, and I just couldn't figure out why that was the battle he was choosing to fight. But, I mean, it worked. They won, so. Some weird parallels with, like, Matthew Kachuk right now and just going out pretty much against anybody and finding a way to get, like, aggressive, like, on the forecheck or aggressive when he's carrying the puck and things how's like that. How's he been? Let's, let's talk about the Flames a little bit. How's, how's Kachuk been? Remember how remember how everybody was really worried about his skating and how like that that and like his temper and like little things like that were going to be the things that kind of held him back well uh it's you know game 10 tonight and he's he skated pretty well and uh he looked like I mean I've only I only caught like maybe six or seven London Knights games last year and much of that was in the Memorial Cup and the OHL playoffs but He's been skating really well. Um, he is fantastic on a line with Michael Backlund and Michael Furleek. It seems like oh, that's the, a line I like. <laughs> yeah, if, that's uh, my dream line. You should watch the game tonight against the Sharks. It's going to be fantastic. But he's playing. Maybe at the Nashville game, or I would. Ah, uh, gifts just... everything, and I'll I'll watch the gifts during the game. Perfect. But he uh, he just complements that line so well, and if we look back on what happened with Sam Bennett last season, where he played predominantly with Michael Backlund um, for much of the season. And then Michael Freelick as well. Uh, it just, it's the right environment to insulate him in because he's picking up on all of the little cues that both of they, both Michael's, you know, kind of play off each other on. And then he just adds that like a little bit of a uh, aggression factor. Like uh, Backlund and Freelick don't play the most aggressive four check game. Usually they're very opportunistic, but with Kachuk on the ice, they're they're very aggressive. Like they're 
they're playing very close to the net or down below the goal line. Uh, they're trying to play aggressive on all the puck battles, and they've got a like. I noticed this today. I was watching it on a, a couple of clips on my lunch break um, of how they're supporting the play. And what's what we're seeing right now is Michael Freelich playing along the half boards along the corner, and then you have Matthew Kachuk like a feral badger in a puck battle pretty much in every circumstance, either be behind the goal line or near the net or just doing whatever he needs to do to get the puck. And then you have Michael Backlund just like in a perimeter of maybe like anywhere from like one to five feet away from Kachuk, just supporting the play and getting ready for like a breakout pass to maybe put a shot on net. And it's working really well. They're playing in some of the most difficult circumstances ever imagined because Gullitson's rolling his, his lines very differently than Bob Hartley. And he's like Kachuk has, I think, twenty four percent offensive zone starts, and he's still a positive possession player across the board, be it in shot metrics, uh, Corsica's like uh, scoring chance uh, definitions. Uh, so he's like a positive uh, scoring chance player and shots, and he's I think he's still positive in goals for as well. So he's playing great, um, and that's hard on that that Flames team. Yeah, and I. There, like there, there are some parallels, I guess, between the Coyotes and the Flames in the sense, like that they do have a lot of youth, and there's a lot of players that are kind of, you know, past their prime and on bad contracts, and some players that are underperforming. But generally, um, Gullitson's been rolling his lines where you see like the Monahan Gaudreau line or whatever variation of that is in extremely, I guess, lax circumstances, more offensive zone starts. Uh, the Sam Bennett line that he is centering full-time is looking great, and they're getting a mix-mash of uh, offensive zone starts, defensive zone starts, and a lot of on-the-fly. And uh, the back of the line, like I said, is just being put in... It's like the equivalent of like cr- trying to cross, cross the Volga when you're like the, when the Russians were trying to take back Stalingrad. It's just like every shift is a battle out there. And then Elder Statesman Matt Stajan is just getting softer and stop, softer minutes. And it's actually working in his favor because he's like a positive possession player for the first time in God knows how long. <laughs> so I mean, that's I, I feel bad. I haven't gotten to watch any of the Flames games this year, which is really too bad because, uh, you know, I was, I was a huge uh, proponent of Matthew Kachuk last year. I really wanted the Coyotes to pick him up if they didn't get a defenseman with their first pick, which... Ultimately, they they went with Clayton Keller, which I love that pick too. But uh, I, I wanted to see him play. Wanted to see how Dougie Hamilton's shaping up. I'm kind of glad that I haven't seen Brian Elliott as he settles in, because I'm I'm a big Brian Elliott supporter, and I've heard he's not been great for you guys. Yeah, um, I mean he, it. He, is it is it the defense in front of him? Is he just you know getting used to that, or is it is it him? Because he was behind. Uh, a lot of people thought that the Blues that he was behind last year were just you know rock solid, and oh he had he had a really easy team to play behind. But when you dug into the numbers, the Blues were giving up a lot of high danger scoring chances. They were you know they were allowing the other team to pull in close and take shots from right outside the faceoff dot, right inside the faceoff dot, even like in the crease. And so I assumed that he would fit in pretty seamlessly with the Flames, who are also big on giving up high-danger scoring chances. Um, but it looks like he hasn't... I don't... I mean, what's what's your take on him so far? So I don't know the most about goaltenders. Um, I think we both know that pretty well. But 
one of the things that drew my attention to Brian Elliott last year and his potential availability and uh, subsequent like acquisition at the you know the draft was high danger save percentage. He was third in the uh, third last season of goalies over. I think it was uh, over like fifteen hundred minutes played, and that was only behind James Reimer and uh, Arizona Coyotes legend Mike Smith. And you're right, like that, the the St. Louis Blues were giving up a lot of high danger shots, and a lot of that had to do with. Petrangelo and Bo Meester and um, a, a couple other guys outside of like uh, Pareko who just bled, you know, chances in close if uh, if my memory serves me correct. And when the Flames went out and acquired him, that was one of the things they mentioned that they actually looked into high danger save percentage and they found that Brian Elliott was, you know, among the best in the league and that's an area they wanted to improve on. And this season, um, I mean, it's not been stellar by any means, but he's actually been pretty all right in most cases if you, i mean if you really look over a lot of goals against him in some games like there was a game where the team in front of him just gave him no favors and uh left him out to dry and uh it it didn't really bode well for him and then he subsequently just got chewed out for it and i think obviously it's a byproduct of fan culture right you know a goalie lets in three goals in a night and your automatic assumption is to blame the goalie and you know that's maybe not the right idea to do but if you look at brian elliott right now um on corsica he's you know the fifth most uh, high danger shot uh high danger shots allowed in the league right now and that's only behind brandy carlisle's uh anaheim ducks but john gibson uh sergey Bobrovsky in columbus mark andre fleury and cam talbot in uh, edmonton so, so about what you'd expect minus the penguins Exactly, right? And I mean, if you look at the Penguins' blue line, like, it's nothing to write home about most of the time. Like, if they don't have a Latang in the lineup, it's literally up to Brian Dumoulin and Ole Mata to kind of shoulder the load. But um, Chad Johnson looked really good in his limited showings, and I, I'm confident enough in what we've seen of Brian Elliott over his career that he will rebound, and this team will get back to, you know, back to a bit more structure. They... Gullitson's been trying to ride that handedness train where, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. And that puts Derek England on the ice quite a bit. <laughs> it also puts Dennis Weidman on the ice quite a bit. And uh, it doesn't really bode well. Uh, TJ Brody hasn't been playing great. Um, Mark Giordano hasn't exactly been himself either. And like you were saying, Dougie Hamilton, he's actually been pretty much like outside of a few gaffes here and there, he's pretty much been the Flames' best defenseman because he's the only guy really that's driving play. And, uh, you know, not getting burned at the blue line like Mark Giordano or TJ Brody has, has been. But the, the wonderful pairing of Brody and Giordano is going to be reunited tonight. And uh, hopefully that fixes a few things. Well, that's good. And I think that uh, you were saying, you know, a couple gaps here and there for Dougie Hamilton. The more I think about him, the more I think that's, that's going to be him over the course of his career. Mostly from watching, actually, OEL. Um, because, you know, last year, the year before, all of, you know, these staunch critics of OEL would say, oh, he's he's elite until he makes this one mistake. And it's just a glaring mistake. And that's that's what you get for a high risk two way defenseman. You know, sometimes they're just going to make these very noticeable mistakes and they stand out even more because the player is so good normally. And I think that's just going to be Dougie Hamilton. But I'm glad he found a home with you guys and is no longer squandering in the uh cam neely driven um whatever's going on there 
the uh hurts my heart <laughs> the blue line in boston of brandon carlo oh, and tory krug basically i love brandon carlo love tory krug love colin miller haven't watched enough of boston this year to know if they're even playing him i know last year they weren't um beyond that i you know i'm a huge char fan he's he's just he's done um and then i don't know who else they have uh and, nobody <laughs> to Garask. uh he's he's basically their their sixth defenseman um and then they have you know what i think is kind of a lot of people mocked their offense but they have some of the best offensive players in the league but then they have this basically they're icing an ahl blue line so and i don't know what's gonna happen there i don't want to think about it <laughs> i i just want brad marchand to score like 40 goals this season That's he might he honestly might especially if they uh if they keep him with Pasternak often enough, I think they might both hit 30 to 40 goals. I th- and I, I know we were going to touch on things that we really enjoyed this season so far. And my one, one of my one good things is the uh, Marchand uh, Bergeron Pasternak line that we've seen a little bit of. Praise Jesus. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> such a good line. <laughs> right on that line. You and- have easily one of the best left wingers in the league, one, like the second best center in the world. And then, or I guess second or third, depending on how you want to look at it. And David Pasternak, who is just, you know, a ridiculously talented winger that just needs an opportunity. Yeah, he's, uh, I liked the pick when Boston made it. Loved it when he, you know, made his rookie debut. This year, he's just been money. I mean, he and Marchand basically made the David Backus signing look good. (laughs) <laughs> when the three of them were playing on a line together and you know now that Bergeron's back in that spot you're kind of you you remember that Bacchus is signed for as long as he is but uh I mean they made him look good he worked with them that was that was really good um but speaking of things that we like about the league right now uh them Vancouver Canucks man they started the year 4-0-0 and then their fifth game I actually you know, uh, our buddy over at Van or at Canucks Army, JD, uh, he asked me to do the recap for their fifth game, and I was like, okay. And they lost it in overtime, and I pointed out that they were, you know, tapering off in the third period, something that they did all throughout last year. All the fans got mad at me. They were like, we've actually been really strong during the third period this year. This was just an off game. You have no idea what you're talking about. They've now dropped six games in a row. So I'm enjoying it. I want the team to fail so badly this year and then i want them to not get nolan patrick (laughs) (laughs) you know that you know that uh las vegas is getting nolan patrick like that's that's a done deal the coyotes could continue to stay in last place for the entire season and las vegas is still getting nolan patrick it's fine he's gonna i mean he i think he's still injured right now with uh brandon in the whl because uh like I have Oil King season tickets this year, and I, like Brandon came to town. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go see Nolan Patrick. I'm going to see the future of Las Vegas or Vancouver or whatever team he gets drafted to." And he's injured, and so I didn't go. L.A., the team that's been shut out in their last three straight games. That's actually my second favorite thing, which is the, <laughs> the demise of dynasties. Uh, Chicago hasn't looked great outside of their victory against the Flames the other night, and uh, Las Vegas losing. Uh, three straight games and not scoring a goal in any of those games is uh, delightful. 
I don't know which is better, though. The fact that they got shut out in three straight games or that Daryl Sutter then blamed it on Peter Budai. <laughs> I don't know, but if Daryl Sutter is going to keep you know throwing quotes at, like that this year, um, I'm in favor of watching this team collapse even more. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, and I, I watched one Kings game, and that was actually... It was that Canucks game that I covered. Uh, they beat the Canucks in overtime. And they made the Canucks look silly. But Peter Budai didn't look great because he plays out too far. He doesn't really track as well as he should. So, I mean, at one point he had turned himself around and was facing the inside of the goal, which if you're looking at the inside of your goal while play is happening, you're going to get scored on. Like, I I don't know how else to put it. Um, So that's funny. Uh, If they need former Dallas Stars first-round pick hero Jack Campbell to take over. That's going to be enjoyable to watch because he's not great. Um, he's really not great. Uh, Wasn't and, he uh, heralded in as like the future of goaltending at one point? Yes, which is, I mean, super funny because he's, I mean, he and Malcolm Subban were heralded as these big bad things and they're both super reactionary goalies. And I mean, every goaltender, you know, it's based on your reactions. But if your reactions aren't based on you tracking the puck to the stick of the shooter, then you're basically running blind. You're giving yourself a 50-50 shot of just completely misreading what's going on. And they both, you know, I don't like their tracking game. I don't like their positioning game. And if Jack Campbell squanders away the rest of his career in the AHL, I'll be fine with it. Uh, Although I really want to see him take over as starter for the Kings just because I want to see them get another lottery pick. Uh, but lost in this, um, I'm looking at the standings right now because I'm, I'm actually going to cover the Nashville-Arizona game in a couple minutes here for in goal. Um, and Arizona is last in the Western Conference. Nashville's second to last. Arizona's 3-6-0 on the year. Nashville's 3-5-1. When did they get bad? Didn't they have uh, like a flu bug and then... Um, Pecorine still exists. And is he uh, still being Pecorine? Like, is he still playing like he did last year? Um, I think. Let me, let me look him up because, I mean, I assumed last year that his decline was a permanent decline, that it was age-based and wasn't just, you know, a fluke year. It wasn't his statistical outlier, so to speak. But everyone was like, no, he's he's so good. He's going to come back. He's going to look great. Uh, uh, oh, he has a nine. He has a nine one four. That's that's not awful. He's doesn't got, look like it's entirely his fault. He's got the worst. Uh, I, if, I guess if you want to call him a starter outside of yeah. So if you remove Vasilevsky and Eddie Lack from this, he's got the second worst uh, high danger save percentage besides Yaroslav Halak right now. But that's him. I mean, he's he's kind of he was like that last year too. And he's actually not that bad in medium danger. He's among the league leaders in that area. But there's that. And then I think, like, just inconsistencies. Like, Phil Forsberg doesn't have a goal yet, I don't think. And I think Ryan, Ryan Johansson has, like, one goal, maybe. Maybe zero. Well, he's been out, right? I think Johansson he... was one of the ones that caught food poisoning or whatever it was. It's probably the month again. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I miss sorry. that storyline so much. Yeah, Philip Forsberg doesn't have a goal, but he has seven assists. So he's he's making stuff happen. He's just not scoring outright. Um, 
Which yeah. for a 33 goal scorer, which is what he was last year, that's that's not great. He probably wants he probably wants to change that. Uh, He's probably in the same circumstance. I, I mean, I think their lead goal scorer this year, it's tied with Craig Smith and Victor Arvidsson. Well, there's their problem. I do love me some Victor Arvidsson though. All he does is shoot the puck. He's like a shoot the puck and forecheck like a monster. He's like a young Michael Froelich. I can see that. Oh, he's delightful. Uh, it's, he's actually one of the reasons why I like watching Nashville outside of PKC Band. Like I'm uh, ever since uh, noted bad food takeist Victor Arvidsson or noted bad food takeist uh, Travis Yost. Uh, mentioned Arvidsson's existence. I kind of started paying a bit more attention. I was like, "Oh man, this kid's actually pretty good." And then you you notice that he, all he ever does is shoot the puck, and you're like, "All right, this is the kind of guy you want in your your roster." Um, I know that everyone's waiting for me to mispronounce a name, so my mispronunciation of the episode is going to be Cal Jenkrock. Uh, <laughs> I like him. Cali Yarncrock. <laughs> Is that it? Cal, what did you say? Cal J- Jankrack? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it again. I, <laughs> I gave the people what they want, and I'm backing away. Perfect. Um, maybe we should uh, move into a quick Q and A here before we wrap it up, so you can go cover your game. Let's do it. Um, what was uh, our good buddy Gene Short's question? Since I don't have it, he he asked us how about them Oilers, and then he asked us for po- top five pizza toppings, but I don't have time for that. Uh, Oilers look good. Other, I mean, their defense doesn't, but that's that's to be expected. I love Cam Talbot. Apparently, every other goaltender with a newborn baby has looked kind of garbage, except for Carey Price and Cam Talbot, who has baby twins, and he's just killing it. The twin factor probably offsets it quite a bit. It offsets it. When you have two of them, you're so tired that you just go into robot mode. Exactly. Uh, Connor McDavid is the league's best player outside of Sidney Crosby. And, outside of Austin Matthews. And outside of, outside of uh, Austin Matthews, pride of Arizona, pride of Toronto Top right still now. Arizona. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Connor, Connor McDavid, he's God. Uh, it pains me to admit that, but he is too good to play against. If I, if I had one complaint about him, though, it would be that his existence is making people really hate Jordan Everly. And Jordan Everly was like the one consistent player other than Taylor Hall that they had for what was it like six or seven years when everyone else was bad. He was one of the only two just consistently good players. And now that he's playing on a line with Connor McDavid, everyone is completely convinced that he's just the passenger and Although he did have really remarkably bad possession stats. Uh, I think he and Milan Lucic finished a game with like 33% Corsi in a game that uh, Edmonton not only won, but outshot their opponent. So I don't really know how they pulled that off. But uh, And then there's Milan Lucic, who uh, I want to see his contract fail, but um, I liked him in Boston, so... Maybe he's finally found a home. Yeah, I think I think it's like the Connor McDavid factor where the people expect everybody to keep up with him and you can't on a physical and a mental level. You just kind of have to be there at some point to finish. And I think uh, Lucic actually said something like really intelligent for once. 
when he was he was actually discussing that and talking about not having to keep up with him so much, but being in the right spot at the right time. And you can let McDavid go up and down the ice all you want. So long as like you're in a prime location to receive a pass and get a shot off. And I think that's going to be the one way that they maximize that Milan Lucic contract for as long as they can is as long as he can get there. And as long as Connor can get there and stall if he needs to, then <laughs> he can just keep feeding him and it's going to work with anybody he plays with. Lucic isn't atrociously slow though. He's just not super explosive. He's, I think we discussed it last year. He's kind of that slow burn, you know, he doesn't get started really fast, but once he gets going, he's, I, I don't think he can keep up with Connor McDavid, but he's not, not going to be like Brandon Bullock lagging behind. So. <laughs> Noted AHL uh, master. I would. I is he doing go, all right down there? I don't even know who he is anymore because I uh, the, the the day that they announced that they were sending him down there was the happiest day of the year for me. He has a goal and two points in six games and twenty seven penalty minutes. <sighs> a vintage Bullock. What's he doing? What's he doing? <laughs> Um, um, what other questions we got? Because I don't want to talk about uh, Bullock. Who do you want to dunk on the most in life? Uh, Connor Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> just, be, just because I know that if I got off the really good dunk, he would fall down, and it would be like the uh, the Jamal Crawford <laughs> dunk when he killed somebody. <laughs> um. All right. Let's, let's take a look. Um. Is the Phil Kessel Angel pick better with or without the Halo? Um, both. 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 It, it, it's Phil is perfect. This is the year of Phil. Twenty sixteen is like his year. So. Um, and then when's Mama gonna get back in net? Um, not for a little while. Eventually. Um, Gareth of the OHL asked us, "Why does everyone hate me?" It's because you're <laughs> condescending, Gareth. Be nice to people. I love Garrett, but sometimes he well he gets he gets misunderstood as being condescending. But it's like if you know Garrett, he's like the most lovable human being you've ever interacted with. But everybody hates you because you're Gareth of the OHL. Let your let your inner inner nice person show more, Garrett, and people will like you more. Probably, um, I think that unpin your tweet about <laughs> using plus minus in your opinion meaning nothing, and people will stop hating you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I love that's probably my favorite thing. Uh, I'm gonna go retweet that right now. <laughs> so. Um, all right, let's see. Do we have any more in there? Um, um. oh, the one from uh, Berserker. Why do I have so much banana flavored Laffy Taffy left over from Halloween? Why did I deserve this? Do I deserve this fate? And it's not bad. I I love banana flavored laffy taffy. Ship them to me, please. Yeah, ship them to Catherine. We'll we'll get you in touch with the mailing address after the game, or after the uh, podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I I'll ship it to you. I think there's a whole bunch at work as well. I'll mail it down when I mail down all the other stuff. I have to mail you. Um, our good friend. Uh, Mike Darnay is shipping me a 24 count case of those Reese's peanut butter cups with Reese's pieces inside them. I'm supposed to get them on Wednesday and I'm really excited. Oh, hell yeah. So, That's pretty good right there. I should get Mike to mail me some stuff too, since he's mailing out all the goodies. Mailing out the chocolate. Yeah. 
Um, I think that wraps everything up. I think it does. I think we just made it through the first episode in over a year. Well done. I, I hope people appreciate this. We, uh, we took time out of our days. Um, and now I'm going to have to go to this game. But uh, quick prediction for the game. Do we think Nashville's going to win or Arizona? Um, probably Nashville. I'm going to agree with you there. And I'm fairly certain the Flames could actually win tonight, but I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> We're going to watch losing games and be fun. Uh, that's been my entire existence for the last year. But we'll we'll get over it. We'll we'll we're we're watching young talent. It makes fu- it worth it. Yeah, the future of the NHL, right? So, all right, we will probably make another episode of this in a few days, depending on how well this is received. I guess. Sounds good to me. All right. Mm-hmm.